0: Hello and welcome to From the Rookery. End, it's September, just 2015. It's an international break. Uh, Watford aren't playing this weekend, but we thought we'd do a podcast. My name is John. With me is Jason. Hello there, uh, Mike. Hi, right, all right. And with us again is uh, Geordie. Hello. I thought you can do it in Spanish. Hola. <laughs> uh, again, Geordie, the only one of the From the Rookery family who can speak two languages.
1: No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <Monsieur>. Bonjour. <laughs> let ask me again. Bonjour. <laughs>
0: Okay, well then, boys. Right, we are four games into this Premier League season with three points to the good. Three draws and uh, one heck of an end to the transfer window. At this moment in Watford's history, your time as a Watford fan, how are you feeling? In one word. Jason. Intrigued.
2: Mike. Excited. (laughs) Geordie. Jason stole my word. (laughs) I can't say, believe it. Say it in Spanish, then no one will know. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, no, intrigued. I mean, yeah, intrigued. Intrigued. Yeah.
3: Mine's confused. Well, no, mine was confused. Mike, why excited? Because we are still very much at the start of something that has the promise to be massively exciting. We've. Um, this is where we wanted to be, and all the time we've been doing the podcast, so the last five years, we've been... We hadn't even thought about getting to the Premier League. Now it's happened, and it's time to enjoy it. And what we've what's happened over the last, I guess, four, five, six months is that we've built a squad that I think is capable of keeping us in the Premier League this year, and then and then kicking on. And, and quite frankly, who knows what this club might be able to achieve? We've seen what can be can be achieved in a little space of time. Given more time, given the resources which are obviously there, um, the resources that will come into the club if we manage to stay in the Premier League this year. The world's kind of our oyster at the moment. I feel so; it's impossible not to be excited. You're, you're, you're
0: definitely feeling as a fan uh, long term. There's a lot of fans. At the moment thinking of the now,
3: but if you want to look at the now, if you want to be, why am I excited this very minute? Well, I've got a bag of Maltesers and a bit and a beer in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> but we've just uh, we, we will obviously talk about it later in the in the podcast. But we've just come out of the transfer window and we've we've strengthened again. So we've got a side who is in it's certainly going to compete it's certainly going to give us a chance of staying in the premier league so even if we don't make it we're going to go close i think so and i think that is something to something to be excited about something to to look forward to and it does feel a little bit like we're starting the season now because the the 25 man squad has just been named and that really feels like certainly for Watford it's been like a bit of a, a tumble or a bit of a washing machine hasn't it we haven't really known um who's going to be in that final 25 there's been players going coming in talk of players going out we the the, the team has changed a fair bit on the those first four Premier League fixtures in the and the Preston game so no one's really been sure what Watford 2015 16 looks like but now we really get to start an idea and to to get an idea of that and um it looks good I think my confusion comes from all that stuff. You know, in some of the
0: things you said, there is not knowing what this is about. Not knowing I, there's ideas, but nothing secure. And maybe my confusion will disappear quite quickly. Um, but let's see. They both pick the word intriguing, yeah. but for the different reasons. Who let's is see. The most intrigued. Let's go yeah. to them first. Geordie, why did you pick that word?
2: Uh, well, I went through kind of excited, fearful, kind of oblivious to a degree. And came back and ended up with intrigues, which Jason kind of then stole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think it's almost—I feel—we're almost at a fork in the road. If 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 you look at where we, you know, when the Potes came on board, it was all about you know what's going to happen. Are we going to get promoted? And we've done it now. And to Mike's point, we've now kind of got the window shut, and we've finished up doing our transfer business. And it's almost as if we built the team from the back in the transfer window. We sorted the defence out. We got the defensive meals sorted out. We kind of bought like a, a pick and mix of kind of attacking midfielders, you know, who could you know, try and find who, who's who's here already, who can play there, who can go in there. Uh, and obviously uh, the, the, the offensive side of our game is where we've maybe been lacking. I think that's a fair consensus. So for me, the intrigue is to kind of see, well, how good are these guys that we just brought in? Because normally when you get promoted, we're normally kind of spoilt with like Charlie Miller uh, or uh, Damon Francis and kind of what we can get and, and the, the, I think what's maybe we've gone and been promoted to the top division I think four times on history now and what this is the, this is the first time we've taken this approach which uh, the owners have kind of I don't know if it's just because they've got so many teams because they approach it as a business but the emotion is, is being left behind and they've been quite ruthless and if they, don't, if they think that every player coming in is only a little bit better than the player we had established then all those little bits could be the difference between third from bottom and fourth from bottom The aggregation
3: and, of marginal
0: gains Sky, uh, team Sky of us. Jason, same
2: reason for you? Intriguing?
0: Yeah,
1: similar similar reasons for reasons that you've all mentioned for why you're confused and why you're excited and why uh, Geordie's intrigued I feel like we are we have a solid base, we are on a, on a platform that we could climb a ladder up uh, but also there's a, that little risk that we might fall off and go tumbling uh, way back down beyond to where we came from what we've seen so far, like I said, with, the, with that transfer window and not really knowing where we are, I, I think there is that solid platform there and we've added to that and I'm, there's that little bit of excitement wanting to see that these players we've bought in can, can develop and take the team on and turn us into more of an attacking force than what we've seen so far. But like we know, there are no guarantees in football and I think that's why my excitement is tempered slightly, down to intrigue. Because okay. we know we could... You could throw loads of money at a, at a football team and it go all completely wrong, like a, a QPR. Um, but we could develop and build like a Swansea or a Palace.
3: Can I ask, Chase, Do you honestly think that if we don't stay up this year, that we would go tumbling down? If all, I, I guess what you're alluding to is if all the players that we don't know much about turn into in, into duds and we struggle, then we, we'll get relegated. But do you think that that's a possibility that we go tumbling down and further still from from the Championship? Which is, or did I mishear you?
1: No, it's a possibility. I think that we, like I said, there are no guarantees, and I think we can't assume that if we go down, we could bounce straight back up again. I think there is that slight worry, there is that sort of niggle in my mind that if we go down, one, who of those new players would want to stay, two, could we afford to keep them with financial fair play, um, and where does that leave our squad, seeing as though we've sold? Some of those players that we had, obviously we've got some that are on loan, but those that have gone out on loan, would they want to come back to Watford? They might have success where they've gone and want to stay. And like, let's say, a, a, a Gediora, for example, type player who, having spent time on loan with Watford, had only one club in his eyes this summer. Um, so if that happens with our loan players, we could end up back at square one, square one, square one where we were Three years ago, when the Potsos first came in, and we were having to sort of scrabble around for players, um, mishmash of a team, which could take a time a little cycle to take a while to get out of and he could see a struggle in the championship but that's that's like the worst case scenario yeah, and I think it's, yeah. t- it's
0: taking five years but I think you've finally worn off on him Mike yeah. with your negativity <laughs> I was going to say pass me a Malteser I'm not
1: excited <laughs> anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not you, you asked me the question that's what the, Friday, night? What the uh, yeah what why I wasn't uh, as excited maybe as you why it was yeah. intrigue and not excitement and that there is that fear that niggle that doubt because there are no guarantees in football, that that is a possible outcome. And that, as, as I see it, is probably the worst case scenario. But, yeah, I, hopefully, um, and the Pozzo's track record is, that, that it will be a good outcome and we'll, uh, we'll be able to establish ourselves as a Premier League side.
0: This is our monthly From the Ricker Ends, you know we're doing some short From the Ricker Ends now which is sort of a sort of weekly thing where we're going to chat to the wider Watford family In these monthly podcasts we're going to focus on the football, we're going to focus in this podcast uh, on all the new boys that have come in and what they've done the new boys, the even newer boys who have come in, what they might do uh, we'll talk about this, this formation and what's happened in the last four games but also, and let's start, as we have done on many occasions on From the Ricker End in the last five seasons with saying goodbye
1: a podcast made by Watford fans, fans, for Watford fans, from the rookery end.
0: We'll look at the two sides of the window. Let's deal with the hellos in a minute, but let's say the, the goodbyes. Fessy, Poodle, Vidra, lyon Angela, Fabrini and Bond. For one moment, I thought, ah, isn't that amazing? Every player that's left Watford has gone to a club that has blue and white stripes. And then I remembered Fabrini,
3: yeah. of course, gone to red. And then smith has gone to Stevenage. Which, you're flying the ointment, Fabrini. Yeah. But uh, you're one of those people who doesn't use their first names. Our, when it's our player. All right, so, never all right, all right. Their Fernando, Daniel, Matic. they full names, though. <laughs> okay. What do you okay. what I mean? It sounds a bit disrespectful, calling someone like... What do you shout in the crowd? What do you mean?
0: Well, if, you were, if, you, if uh, Fernando had run down the wing and fallen over, what would you have shouted at him?
3: Come on, Fernando.
1: Top what is the Fernando? Hang on, hang on. That's not what you shouted when we were at <laughs> Chelsea last
3: year. I know you're probably not allowed to repeat on the podcast, but that's definitely no not what I you mean, shouted. Though. I think you're calling oh. people just by their... Sound, I don't know. I don't know if
0: I'm... Gone remember. from the Watford family. Fernando, Daniel, Matic, oh, Matic, Mi- Miguel. Full names. Yeah. Oh, full names. In, in the oh, let's move on. We know who's left. <laughs> right. Who are you going to miss the most, Mike. Daniel Pudil
3: <laughs> is the right answer. I think seeing him around, and it's this really is a sentimental one, and I know we should have moved on from that because of, of reasons we've discussed and because people realise there's no room for sentiment, it's not yada, yada, yada. But when the Pozzo family took over, people were concerned. Um, there was a limited understanding of what they were going to do, a limited understanding of how they were going to work, And also we were coming from a a really, really parlous state. So people were naturally quite um, worried, just a bit nervous about the whole thing. And then obviously all the players came in from a million different places uh, all at once. We had all the loans, yada, yada, yada. But Puda was one who, I don't quite know how he did it, but he exuded this sort of belief in Watford and he exuded this... Um aura that he had made the right choice, and he trusted himself and he trusted the people that took him there and He was happy to be there and He was one of the first first players who gave off the um the appearance of someone who'd been there for a while, someone who had arrived at Watford because he wanted to play for Watford you know no doubt he didn't know who Watford were before he before he landed at the airport i've got no no doubt about that, but he managed to to display a sort of commitment right from the get go and that translated onto the pitch as well. So those two things combined made him a really important player, I think. Because I've certainly spoken a lot about the um, relationship between the fans and, and the team. And, you know, Kike uh, um, Sanchez-Flores this year has said that the crowd have been amazing and they have to a degree. But I don't think we've seen still that connection that we had, for example, against Middlesbrough or away at Bolton where the fans really believed in the team. And that that doesn't happen overnight, not with all the will in the world. It, it Something has to happen to trigger that. And, and I think... Puder was, was one of those guys that helped build bridges between the new regime, the new team and the supporters. And I think it, he was vital. Uh, and it, And he always gave his all on, on the pitch. I mean, um, with all due respect, I think he is a championship level footballer. I don't think anyone w- would deny that. But he always gave his all, with, you know, in attack, in defence. And so I won't necessarily miss him in a playing capacity, but for what he stood for, how important he was and in, in the sort of talismanic sort of element that he was of the of the first days first years of the of the Pozzo regime really important and I'm glad he's gone somewhere he's going to get game time and I hope Sheffield Wednesday supporters love him as much as uh, as we did
0: now I think for me he always felt like I don't know why you see him on the pitch you knew like you said championship might have been his level but you think in a squad he'd just be around forever you know, he wasn't going to go necessarily anywhere else in footballing world to go higher than Watford. But you thought, no, when you've got a 25-man squad, no. The one man you'd keep to be there when you need him, get him out of the locker, sling him on.
1: Danny Pudil.
3: If you were keeping him in the locker, perhaps that's why he <laughs> <I> left. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Jason,
0: any, anyone different for you you're going to miss?
1: Yeah, as uh, a name on there that you haven't put down. He wasn't really asked, but he was meant to be asked for this season. That's Daniel Terjean. Um, I just would have liked to have seen him playing that sort of defensive midfield role, that quarterback role in the Premier League, especially now we know we're playing with two defensive midfielders. I just want to see how he'd have coped and how those passes he used to ping around when he wasn't under pressure. I think teams worked him out a bit second half of the season. When he was put under pressure, he struggled a bit. But I think with the two defensive midfielders, he might have been given a bit more space a bit more time and it had been great to see that quality of distribution in our side especially in in recent games and how that would have would have panned out I was disappointed when i heard that we'd uh, we, the loan had been terminated and even more so um, given the way we we're, we're playing
0: but both him and Pudu were sort of being dropped out of that squad and that 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 team at the end of last year they weren't yeah. sort of playing a major major role that we were sort of used to um
2: Jordy, anyone different from Poodle and uh and similar to Mike it, it goes back to I mean some of the players you list you listed obviously Fabrini he's loved by everybody we loan him to so he's <laughs> there's obviously something there that he's a great player but he's he's not someone we've had the opportunity to bond with as much as maybe we could have done because he hasn't been playing for us um uh, and you know Tersia again he was on loan but he was there for a year Angelo is someone I th- I felt because he was a mainstay in the team uh, and he was he was probably, you know, you were talking about players being managed out the out the team. Angela was there till the end, and he was he potentially could have played. I think he's he could play in the Premier League if they feel that you know, like of Britos and uh, and Pro, um, Prodo and Cathcart are going to be ahead of him, and he wants to play, and he's he's better playing somewhere else than he is being the fourth choice here or fifth choice. That's fine. Uh, but I think um, Forestieri, I remember when he when he joined it was, because I think maybe he's South American he's Italian rather than you know and he's a he's a flair player, he was kind of the old they've lost their identity they're diving around you know he didn't speak English when he came across uh and kind of he he kind of threw himself into into Watford and obviously we you know we love Watford uh but if you're used to kind of you know South America and Italy. Kind of Hertfordshire isn't you know where <laughs> where you probably like have your ambition to to live the rest of your life and he and he came over here and he got stuck in and he, he, he got involved with the fans and he he didn't maybe didn't play as much but I think if you know we were talking before about you know intrigue and are we going to go back three years if we get relegated and it's almost like you could call the first because he's gone permanently whereas Angela's on loan you can almost call it like the the Forestieri years if you like it was it was getting us out of the Championship and as soon as we got out of the Championship. It was it was goodbye to him, and and maybe he wasn't aware that was going to happen, but probably in the in the offices in the in the corridors of Watford, they knew exactly who was who they were going to keep and who they weren't.
0: My thing about Fosseier was, I remember being at a Junior Hornets event, and um, there was a big long line of Watford players. <laughs> old, no, we were all there. Mike <laughs> and Jason were there as well. Um, but there was a big long line of Watford players and we were waiting to interview um, who was it it was the lovely smelling Manuel yeah. Almunia Yes, we were, uh, we were going to interview Matt Almunia and we were sort of waiting in near the end and all the other players were sat signing autographs one after the other they were being lovely pleasant Forrester must have had about 100 200 penalties taken against him with this little goal and he was this sort of little junior hornet but if you go back to the podcast that we did with um, Troy and Troy talked about it. My feeling of Forestieri every single year was huge moments of frustration. Mm-hmm. And they never died away. They never disappeared. They were mixed with moments of brilliantness. I mean, you go from that uh, was it Wolves away, he was absolutely awful and did his his diving, and the following game was against Huddersfield? Reading, I think. Or Reading, yeah. Again, blue and white stripes. And he was he was the best player on the pitch but you knew it's never going to be consistent and and maybe in a 25 man squad there wasn't place for let's give him a go yeah but but he's 25 years old he's a year older than than Vidra yeah but does definitely doesn't feel that way does he does it feel though mike
3: yeah
0: yeah you talked about they they are part of this Pozzo era yeah. slash Forestieri years has that heart been taken from this Watford squad
3: well, it's, I was just going to pick up on, on what Geordie said, actually, and he was talking about Angela. And I think that he might be the first victim of the of the business model, if you like, because if you look at the, the 25, um, well, it's actually 24, isn't it? But the, the the squad list, S.A. Belkalem is on there. And I think there's very few people who would rather have uh, Belkalem than Angela. But I think you'll probably find that, that he's on decent wages and therefore, we couldn't, we couldn't ship him out anywhere. Uh, now, he was on loan in Turkey last year. I think he did reasonably well there. But we, couldn't get, we basically couldn't get rid of him, is, is my reading of it. I don't know, but that's what I expect. Um, you know, We saw him in the under-21s the other day. And I think that we're, because we've been unable to get rid of him, we haven't been able to keep, keep hold of, uh, of Gavi. So I think that might be the first example of us being bitten on the backside by the large amounts of, of deals that have come in. Um, and just to finish off on the on the point, everyone we mentioned really wasn't getting a game towards the end of last year. Fernando, Danny Toza, um Pudil—they they, you know—they weren't getting a game. So as you rightly said, John, um, just giving them a go is never never an option. So, but going back to it's have we have we ripped the heart out of it? Is there a heart in the Premier League? You know, a heart and what is it? Is, I'm not saying the Premier League, the heart of Watford. Um. <laughs> it's diff- It really is difficult because you you want to feel a you want to feel a bond with your team. It's impossible to feel a bond with a team that you've only seen play twice um It's impossible to feel a bond with forty million because that's what we spent near a give or take in the transfer market. Some people get excited about the figures I don't and I don't think football supporters should so to a degree, there's nothing there at the moment apart from perhaps the opening day at Everton, which was a magnificent day for everyone to really cuddle, to hold on to, to think this is my Watford and this is what we're doing in the Premier League because we A, we haven't had the results really to scream and shout about and B, we haven't seen half the guys in action. We've got no affinity with them, we've got no knowledge of their personality, the way they play. So, base level, yeah, the Watford we knew from the last three years as for all intents and purposes gone.
1: Like I say, there's only one consistent thing in football or with football clubs and that's the fans. So when whenever teams talk about the heart and soul, and I remember people saying this three three years ago when uh, when we were having to get rid of all the youth players or the youngsters that had been filling in um, about the heart and soul going out of the club, we the fans are the heart and soul of the club, um, and we're still there
2: from the rookery end.
0: The biggest. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the word. Biggest surprise of all the people that left Watford was one Matty Vidra. Oh, I said surprised, Jordy. Were you surprised?
2: Uh, not after seeing how um, Flores wants to play um, and that Dini is the number nine and the captain. Uh, and knowing uh, Vidra as we do, he 's not a guy who who 's going to just kind of get get to thirty five and think well i 've picked up a wage uh, you know and i 've made a bit of my talent he wants to play he 's ambitious um, and we were talking about the emotion and the heart being ripped out of the club and it being a business decision when we were looking at the other players and you know we remember a couple of years ago when we were in the championship and he was offered the opportunity uh, to move up and we were heartbroken that he um he had taken that and it is he he is he's an individual and you know while Danny poodle came from the Czech Republic and obviously Watford were known out there because he came, you know, desperate to play for us. Uh is his childhood dream to play for Watford. <laughs> Obviously, you know, the part of um over the country that Fidra's from that was not the case and I think <laughs> uh, I th- I just think I just think it it, it sh- that he, he kind of encapsulates the idea that it is actually it, there's an entity called Watford but it's made up of lots of individuals with lots of different agendas um from the manager to the to the to the chairman to the owners um and then down to the individuals who have a mutual interest in doing well and getting promoted and boosting their salaries but are looking after themselves and sometimes it goes for them, sometimes it goes against them. And I just think he if in this formation he's a bit of a square peg um for what we want to do and he either didn't want to or didn't or didn't show enough desire to Flores for him to say I want to keep him and a business decision was taken and it's a fantastic deal they've worked out. Yeah. You know, I think since the like the Ashley Young deal that's probably the best deal we've got for for a player from a negotiation point of view. So I'm not that surprised given that, you know, we weren't using them basically. I think that's that's the key, that's the probably the simplest part of it. Reading
3: have paid 2.5 million quid for a loan fee, which is by the way their record uh, equals their record outlay on a player for a loan for a season and they're going to pay his wages. And if they get promoted, they buy him for 10 million quid. So what the Pozzos have effectively done is potentially secured £12.5 million for a player that cost them a million all, all the way back. And that's the way it works. That's how this goes for us. Um and yeah, Matty Vidra has been there for some of the best moments that that we've experienced in in the past couple of years. Yeah, he's super fast. Yeah, on his day, he's he's, he's a great finisher. But we have seen we have seen peaks and troughs with him, and he he is a bit he, he is a bit of a misery guts, quite frankly. Um, but ultimately, I think I think it's less of a playing decision and more of a business decision. I think they've they've got that they've they have to look at the spreadsheet. They've done the deal. It works for the club with the money that uh, they, they freed up with, with him, they've brought in two other guys that, that presumably Flores will fancy more. So, there you go. My bit about it is that there's, there's, there's
0: two things that sort of will always live with me with Vidrat, was the seven months where he disappeared, first year under the Pozzos, for a very long period of time. Then he came back for one game, saw the most amazing over-the-shoulder yeah. volley, and then got out the way of Troy Deeney. Those moments were there, but there was a long period of time where he didn't turn up. Um, but also, I remember during that celebration um, after the the Sheffield Wednesday game, he literally, everyone else was going, no, we're going to do this, we're having the team. And you could see the team there celebrating what they'd achieved. And he turned around and he sulked off. It literally looked like he sulked off. Yeah. I know there was a, it, was, it wasn't the best result in the world, but he didn't sort of embrace the brotherhood. It didn't feel like he was embracing the brotherhood.
1: Had I been in a time warp or a coma and... From the end of last season and then woken up today and you said, oh, he's gone on loan to Reading. Yes, it would be a big surprise. (laughs) But it's been such a slow-burning thing over the last sort of month or so. Um, so When did he start his last game at the Paderborn-friendly, I think it was, in in Germany? It has been a bit of a slow-burner, so ultimately not that surprising. Trouble is, we're at the risk now of sounding like we're getting down on the chap now that he's gone, now that he's not a or yeah. not for this season, not a Watford player. And we I suppose we've got to be careful of that and we've got to remember the the good stuff, the the goals, the I'm sure the uh that promotion clinching goals it turned out to be at Brighton, no one will forget that and that was pretty amazing. But like all the other players, he's yeah, he's he's a championship player, proven championship player who's gone to another championship club. And if he's not good enough to be a Premier League starter, then yeah, we we'd rather have a Premier League Player in our Premier League
0: starting
1: eleven. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the
3: rookery end.
0: Right, so it's, it's fantastic. We've, we're doing this podcast five days after playing Man City, um, and m- over a week since we played Preston. Um. Five games, three draws, two losses. We used the word surprised earlier. Um, Were you astonished, Geordie, by by the start to Watford season?
2: No. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, You fear that you're going to lose all your games when you go up. And I think it goes back to when we were saying about intrigue earlier, is part of it is the unknown. And normally when you get promoted, you build on what you've taken with you. So you've got a good idea of where you are, and you know pretty much what you're going to be up against, and you can make a judgment. I think with all the incoming of the players... We are when we're ahead of, kind of to Mike's point earlier. We're ahead of. Uh, we don't know the players very well. We haven't bonded with them yet. We know a bit more about them than the man on the street, but we don't know as much about them or, or, or know as much about how well we're going to
0: do. So you, you were astonished because you just didn't know what was going to happen.
2: No, no. I mean, I, well, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, 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 you hoped that. The players all had a good caliber, but you know we were talking about Belkalem earlier, and I remember when we signed him, everyone was all excited because like, like Milan, we're going to try and get him, and he's going to be he's an Algerian defender, and he's can play in the World Cup, and you know, and when he played in the World Cup, we we're all proud of him, even though you know, so uh, it's difficult to know how how well these guys are going to settle in, and I, I don't think anyone who's coming has actually um, looked like a turkey yet. I think there's different levels of success, but I don't think anyone has really looked like they're what, what have we done bringing him in. Um, so I would like to have got a win out of the first three yeah. games I think you know I didn't expect to get anything out of Man City uh, you know, we were talking earlier last season when we lost to Chelsea we were quite happy with 0-0 at half time and then getting turned over in the second half we thought it was progress and now suddenly we're all kind of wailing that it's happened so it shows the expectations increased it shows that uh, people maybe are a bit unrealistic in what they're expecting we're playing against very good teams who don't want to get beaten and therefore goals are a premium um, and it's you know if, if you let one in you got to get two to win and we've found it hard to get one so these clean sheets built from the back you know we're fourth from bottom if we finish there we'll probably be happy i've i was cross about the preston
3: game i have to say I think Can we get past it, there? Can we not to spend? I'm kind it? of, yeah. But it, I've got. There's a, I've got a wider thing about the League Cup and how it's been sort of degraded over the years. Alex Ferguson started it. When are like, not like, that out, like, no, no, no. No, this is a point worth making. It's a point worth making. <laughs> Fergie started it because he had to rest players because he had. A, he had. To, he was fighting on all sorts of fronts with with European stuff, and because Fergie was doing it, sort of other other managers started doing it. And it's sort of become accepted amongst supporters. Why well, you just play, you play your reserves in the League Cup. Uh, Why do you play your reserves in the League But cup?
0: for what for Watford this year, though, the problem was we played Sunday and then we had to play Tuesday. And then we're the Man City the yeah, following week.
3: I don't... Yeah, but OK, so our reserve team isn't necessarily... It wasn't, I wasn't crossed with the team we put out. I was crossed with the reaction that I'm pleased we're out of it. That was that's a potential trip to Wembley, potential route into Europe, which I guess is another argument. So I was a little bit... Disappointed with the result, because obviously we lost. I think it was an opportunity for some some of the, the squad fringe players to, to put in a performance that they obviously didn't. Take nothing away from Preston. Decent place. We haven't won there since the Triassic period. So, no great surprise. But disappointed with the reaction amongst some Watford supporters that, oh, whatever, you know, we'll we'll go on and we'll focus on the league. Well, of course we'll focus on the league. But you should focus on every game. So, anyway. Jodie's that- talked about the results. I want you to talk about the, the
0: surprise, almost, or the astonishment in the expectations of Watford fans.
3: Was 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 in terms of the, the what what was happened on the pitch, was that what you expected? I think if you'd have sat me down with the guns in my head and said what would you take from the first four league games, I'd probably have said four points would would kind of be okay. Um didn't really I thought we might upset Everton might get something there thought we might win one of the home games and and, and accepted that we'd probably lose against man city we've, we've got 3 instead of 4 so i think it's massively important that the the clean sheets cannot be undervalued because i think if you it's very f- it's funny how quickly we forget what happened last year and how how critical despite that team that we all profess to love so much that has been broken up a lot of people, including ourselves, were were critical because we didn't close out some games, we looked shaky defensively, we were far from the finished article last year Uh, and defensively I think was something that I certainly highlighted um, as as being my concern for going into the Premier League, so to have started off so incredibly solid at the back, and even Man City which ultimately from an attacking point of view was disappointing, I think the, the highlights showed both times we were in the opposition half, but a way outside Watford-centric circles, there was quite a lot of praise for Watford's first half to, um, performance, the, the level of effort they put in. They worked very hard, they were very organised and restricted the team that is red-hot to, to bits and pieces, really. So even, even the Man City defeat, I think there's stuff to take away from. There's obviously a lot to do. We obviously need to start scoring. People obviously need to get used to the, the, the Flores way of, of, of playing and, and making it work for us. But am I surprised at the start? Delighted by Everton encouraged by the West Brom game, frustrated by Southampton to a, to a degree, really disappointed with Preston, uh, but I can get over it, I'm over it now after my little rant, um, and and not surprised by but from Man City. I think if Man City had come in the middle of the season, we'd be like, fair play, we haven't got a shellac in, um, so it's not a morale sort of uh, denting performance. So... It's difficult, but I think it has brought home how hard it is this this division. Um, we've got Swansea next, then we're away at Newcastle. We could feasibly get no points, but we might get six. I think I'm happy with with four uh, results, even though
0: the, uh, the Man City. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like uh, positives. Like it, there was a positive coming out of there was a point coming out of the first three games, but there was at least a, a positive coming out of the Man City game. But Jason, the big change has been the fact that from last year, at least. Not only are we being a bit more defensive at the moment, but not, not attacking, um, is, is the 4-2-3-1. People love four numbers in a row, or two numbers in a row, or three numbers in a row when it comes to football. Uh, firstly, why do you think we're playing that in the Premier League?
1: It's a popular formation, isn't it? Um, firstly, I, I don't think there's any way we could have gone three at the back. I think we'd have been torn apart. Uh, there were the times where, it, in the Championship, three at the back looked a, looked a bit uh, wobbly. Uh, and as we know, we got up by... Scoring a lot more goals than uh, than we conceded. As Geordie quite rightly said, if you concede a goal, that means you've got to score two. And I believe it's actually been statistically proven that uh, a clean sheet is more a lot more valuable than a goal. Whether that applies to teams in a relegation fight, which we probably will be, um, or at least just above it. Uh, I'm not sure that's the case. But we needed to be a lot more solid and play a, a lot more solid. Now, we're talking about 4-2-3-1, as I've uh, said to you off-mic before. 4-2-3-1 is just a formation. It's mm. not a tactic.
0: Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. the thing. People keep thinking it's, uh, it's let's uh, things aren't working, so let's change the formation. That's the thing to do. That's the tactic we'll have to change.
1: No, I, I, I don't agree with that. Firstly, um, we know we've been very solid. And if you count Gomez as well, that back six, if you like. These are all players with Premier League or top flight European experience. If you look at the 3-1, less so. We've had a lot of proven championship players or players have been playing at championship level for the past few years, playing at the one mainstay in that 3-1 that hasn't is Gerardo and I'll be honest I haven't been overly impressed with what he's done so far um, I'm sure there's a lot more to come from him and of course what Berghaus coming and now we've got these new players coming in as well as the as the new players coming in I think also I'm not entirely happy with the way we've been sort of working the 3-1 and, and I have in my simple football knowledge my understanding of how a 3-1 should work is that you won Mr. Deeney needs to be doing for the Benefit of those watching on Periscope, doing that. <coughs> That's for those yeah, sitting on the podcast, right, yeah. Moving across the line, dragging defenders out of position. And then you three need to be pushing on and filling in those gaps. Certainly at least two of them. I I think we've got certainly the wide players, you should have one acting as an out and out winger and maybe the other one drifting inside and, and sort of filling in the gaps in the middle. That's how I see a 3-1 working up front, and I don't think we've seen that yet. I think Troy, as people will say, has looked a lot more isolated. It's a different role for him. He's still getting used to that. Is there a question mark over whether he, a proven championship player, is capable of doing that in the Premier League? And with the new players that are coming in, is he guaranteed that that starting lone striker position? I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. That will probably be answered in the in the next month or so. But I think there's a lot more to come. Flores has said he's not worried about the the lack of goals or even the lack of chances so far, when um, we now have a uh, more experienced players to come in, and also the guys that have been playing so far. Hopefully, we'll be learning more about those positions, about the new roles they're having to play, and, and we'll see a lot more from it.
0: Um, I don't think I'm not I'm not going to ask you what would you change because that's such a big question, and you know, week and a half down the line, we play the next game. We, we we could be in a completely different place. It's almost like one of those question marks. We could we could talk about for hours and hours and hours and be in a completely different place to where Sanchez Flores is. Um, it's it's going to be the the that for me it has to bed in. It is brand new. It's different from last year, but actually there's so much new from last year and new just generally that we need to sort of uh, figure that out. So four, two, three, one. It adds up to ten. At least we all agreed on that.
3: With more chat than Vidra's agent, this is From the Rookery End.
0: Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, at Watford Podcast. We're on Facebook. Uh, We're facebook.com forward slash rookeryend. Uh, And uh, always drop us an email, podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. This is our monthly podcast, which we've been doing for five years. We'll look back on a month's worth of football. And what's been going on with Watford and the first team on the pitch. But we've got our brand new series of podcasts, we're putting up the Red or Black Shorts. uh, Slightly shorter podcasts uh, that we're going to be putting out, sort of, kind of, on a weekly basis. Um, Both those podcasts are both on iTunes. And if you search for From the Rookery End on iTunes, both feeds should come up and you can subscribe to them. They get sent to you directly. Four Premier League games in. It's not many games, really. We look at the whole season.
1: So far... Who is your star player, Jason? Um, <laughs> I know who my star player is, but I've already upset Geordie once this evening, so I'm going to let him reveal that. I told you not to come yeah. in, no kid,
3: Jason.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I'll let him reveal who who the real star player is. But so I'm going to take it from a slightly different angle and look at the uh, the graduates from last year, um, uh, those that are still playing in the uh, in the team. And do you know who's impressed me? Ikechi Anya. I I I'm he's almost sort of surprised me. I I didn't expect him to make that step up like he's done. He's looked um He's comfortable at left back when he's played left back, and I've been quite surprised by that. I didn't think he'd be comfortable mm, at yeah. all. But also I have a theory about about Ikechi. Um he always seems to do well for Scotland, um, forgetting how they got on earlier today. Um but yeah, he always always seems to be able to produce for them. And I always think that's because they play him further up the pitch. And I've always wondered, does he just get knackered running down the line at a catchy pace that when he gets to the end, he can't deliver a decent cross? And I think he's looked a bit better. Um, and for the want of a better anticipation from our strikers, uh, or regardless not letting the ball go through his legs, he could probably have a, a few assists to his name already this season. Um, yeah, he's impressed me, catchy. So from the... From the squad of last year, that have remained, my star man is Ikechenia. Uh
0: Jordy, who's your star man? Uh, Nyom. Oh,
3: brilliant choice! <laughs> <laughs> no, I just passed
2: me the chocolate, and I was just uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I think for me, Nyom. I think um, we we kind of expected more from the attacking players, and you expect them to stand out because fullbacks are, can be a pretty boring kind of uh, tick box position, maybe. Uh, but he's kind of. He's done what he needs to do defensively, which sometimes we can get fullbacks who are good going forward and then leave you exposed. But he he seems to tick all the boxes defensively, and he's a bit of a cross between for me like Lillian Turam and Cafu because he does the defensive bit. He's got the physicality, but when he gets a chance to go forward, uh, he doesn't doesn't mind doing it. And uh, it, yeah, it, when he runs at you, <laughs> he goes past a couple of players and it's almost like he's now running just to keep balance because he's going so fast and you just look at the uh you look at the defenders who are trying to stop him and they they just know that they're just going to get flattened if they <laughs> if they don't get out of the way and it, and it is a bit like um when you're in a playground and you're like 15 and there's some kid who's a bit bigger and a bit faster than everyone else and everyone just gets out of his way and that i think if if he can you know in a bit corners be a bit more useful in the air if he can get a couple of shots that go in, he he could be worth a couple of goals, and and that's something you don't you don't buy right back to get you get your goals. And I think he he we were talking earlier about the phases between play. I think he could be important in in creating space going forward because he's just going to break um, defensive lines basically just by charging at them. I think I think what was great about Neom's home debut
3: against West Brom. He took them completely by surprise. Evidently, they just didn't expect to see this massive unit hurtling down the wings, and it was it was a joy to see. He was uh, he was superb, wasn't he? Mike, your star player? Very easy for me. It's Juan Fran. <laughs> 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 the way he's just ghosted around the pitch yeah. it has been uh, almost impossible to pick up from an opposition point of view. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Now Etienne Capoue for me. Um, I think he's he's looked great. He's um, He's just been involved um, heavily in every game, yeah. and uh, w- in a positive way. I think he just—he's just a great presence. I think I, I think I sort of meant to called him. I know the octopus was was. Uh, Gomez, his nickname at Tottenham, I think, but he felt like that against certainly against West Brom. He was just his legs seemed to be sort of almost telescopic. He could reach out and get the ball from from twenty yards away almost. So he's been a great addition, I think. If he can stay fit, if he can stay focused, if he can stay happy, he's going to be uh, he's going to be a really good addition.
0: I was going to pick uh, Star Pair, and it might might have been him and uh, Barami in those those two just in front of the back four. But I think I'm going for Prudes. And, uh, and And Cathcart, um just that there i haven 't been at home game at Watford you know of uh, those West Brom and Southampton games, where actually I felt quite confident yeah. and I went, yeah, they might score, but not as likely as they used to be back in the day, and that's that 's a weird lovely feeling to have, and I hope that continues uh, as we go forward we 've got three new boys in um, going back to you after the last podcast uh, geordie um, uh, can can we say their names properly o b
2: Ulare. Sounds a well, bit like... Yeah, it sounds a bit It's probably um, a bit more French, isn't it? I suppose. Ulare. <laughs> Ulare.
0: <laughs> but on? said of a deep voice, it does sound a little bit like uh, he's from uh, Shooting Stars. Ulare. Uh, who else have we got? Victor. Ibarbo. Another <laughs> wrong answer from Shooting Stars. <laughs> Ibarbo.
2: And uh, the last one, new player... Don't know much about him. What do we? Th- what do you think? I don't know. He's um, some guy we've picked up. I don't know who he is. Um, some someone someone from Palace. I don't know. He seems quite happy to be here, though. <laughs> he's a new Daniel Poodle, Guidura,
0: <laughs> and uh, he's he's back.
1: Sorry, sorry, just to interject. Do we think that had they not been able to broker a deal, he'd have turned up odd and wingy style at the training yeah. ground? Because <laughs> I, I get the impression he might have done.
0: But my favourite thing was, he w- he wore a, a jacket and a tie. You know, he was clearly and one of them. And
2: jeans and trainers, though. But
3: that's because yeah. oh, oh, he's cool. Jacket and jeans,
1: that's not right. That's, that's wrong. Jacket and no, jeans is so wrong. Oh, it has gone that. off in a bit. I
2: think if, um, if we hadn't signed him, what might have happened to, to Mike's point earlier about Juan Fran is, we might have seen Juan Fran looking slightly uh, familiar with like a like a wig and, and playing in central midfield. And we're thinking, that bl- rings a bell from last season, I don't know why. And uh, he just not talked in any interviews to give it away because I think he would have found a way somehow to get back here.
3: I think on a, on a serious note, it's, uh, everyone feels refreshed after after transfer deadline day, don't they? And everyone's excited again. Everyone's got their enthusiasm back after you know, in the cold of the day, it wasn't actually a tricky start to the season, but a few few cracks sort of amongst Watford supporters have started to show a little bit, perhaps. So, the transfer window has given everyone a little bit of a boost, I think. But it's important, I think, to to keep our feet on the ground to a degree. Going back to what Jason said at the start of the start of the podcast, we don't really know what these guys are going to be like. The the two strikers have come in one that uh, nineteen uh, and Ibarbo is 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 older, but his scoring record is. You know, it's average, at, average at best. So, I think we're still probably guilty of seeing a player coming in from Roma and thinking he's going to be decent because everyone's heard of Roma. Everyone knows Francesco Totti. Everyone knows Marco Cassetti. Cosetti. <laughs> um, and I think we need to just need to be careful coming off the back of this this international break that we don't perhaps fall into the same trap that we did at the start of the season. And I think a lot of us did um, get probably get a bit overexcited about the number of players coming in, and, and there was criticism from outside Watford. Watford had brought in a load of players, but we are like, yeah, well, the says know what they're doing, so we'll be fine. But actually, it is ruddy difficult to knit a player team together, not just a team, but a squad under a new manager, playing a brand new system, keeping old players, Troy Deeney, for example, happy, whilst also keeping high-profile big earners that have come in happy. We've taken on massive, massive... Undertaking promoted, sacked the manager, changed the entire team, and whilst we all are happy and we, you know, we're laughing and joking. I think the the, the 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 general tone of the podcast has been quite upbeat and rightly so. But the challenge remains the same. We need to knit this this team into a team. And you spoke earlier about the heart of of Watford, and and Jay said that the fans will always be there, and that is the true heart. We're ready to to beat, I guess, but we need we need the blood to start pumping round, and 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 Kike Sanchez Flores has to make that happen, and the players that have come in have to make that happen. Um, we have to be patient, but we have to be passionate um, and realistic, and it's difficult because they're sort of three things that <laughs> football fans are good at being passionate, but patient and realistic is something that that we're not necessarily good at. But Great that we've got players in. They look like they could do a job. Vidra's gone out, two strikers have come in. Uh, Guardiola's come back in, fan favourite. So that sort of gives a bit of um, a feel-good factor. The guys have had a rest. They've hopefully got some time together. So yeah, it's just uh, that's, I'm, I'm excited. But it's important that just because we've had an amazing transfer deadline day, just because we've spent loads of money, that doesn't make us better than anyone else.
0: Any better when we get the ball in the back of the net. Um, Games that we're going to hopefully get the ball in the back of the net. Uh, Swansea at home, Newcastle away, Palace at home, Bournemouth away. What do, apart from a win, because you always need a win, in terms of performance, Geordie, what do we need in the next month?
2: We've started the season well defensively, and I think there's a danger that we're going to assume we're just going to be good defensively all season. And as we start to open up and, and and progress against teams, we've got to make sure we don't suddenly lose that. Um I think I think what we need to do is obviously you know it's pretty obvious we need to be more offensive. Um or we'll find a way to be more dangerous. We you know we had a couple of chances against Southampton with Igalo, could have gone in. Um and then uh with Capu's header, you know, it looked harder to miss. But to be fair to the guy he didn't get he was kind of wasn't Positioned, He's a little you know. bit behind him. He'll be behind yeah. him. It, it's very quick. It's very easy to kind of, it's very easy for us to kind of leap up out of seats uh, because it's one direction. We've got plenty of practice, but when you kind of got to position your body in the same time, it can be quite difficult. Um, I think I think from those games, we must get at least one win because at the moment we we've had three three draws and a defeat. We're just outside the relegation zone, but you know if we would picked up two more points, which could, we could have done, we'd be mid table and we you know it wouldn't be a problem at all. Four games. No, I right. don't think so. I think if we would we'd won one game, you'd still want at least one win out of these next four games. No, but what I'm saying is we wouldn't be concerned. Now we wouldn't be worried about you know uh, how's it going. Are we are we attacking enough? If we'd won against Southampton, would have papered over a little bit okay. after that. All against West Brom. I think the next four games, you know, there's what 12 points to play. The, the, the gaps between the Man Cities and the teams at the bottom will start to stretch. And doing the um, the mailing list prediction league. What I found was the kind of the top six kind of picked themselves in some kind of permutation. Then you have got teams like Stoke and Everton and uh, Swansea, and maybe you can even add Palace to that, who are going to be safe but aren't going to be bothering uh, the Champions League next year. And after that, you've got half a league of of teams who, you know, are Villa going to be above Bournemouth? Are Sunderland going to be above, you know, the, some other team? And and, and actually, you find that it's it, we're almost in a mini league, and, and I think there's a reality check there for people. Uh, one is that it's much more tactical, and so this whole defensive thing—you know—you look at when Chelsea go away to the new Camp with the luxury of the players they've got, or when Man-, Man City go to Bayern Munich, they don't go out and play expansive football. They play defensively. You know, Inter Milan won the Champions League doing that. Chelsea won the Champions League by hitting teams on the break. That's how it works in real life in the top division. It's less about fluke and it's less about physicality because everybody's elite. It's about that uh, intelligence. And the second thing is the strategy. And the and the kind of tactical way of looking at the league and saying, well, Man City, we weren't expecting to get points off them. Southampton and Everton, anything off them is probably a bonus. Because uh, West Brom is arguably well, at least they didn't get more out of it than we did. When you start looking to the likes of uh, you know Palace and Newcastle, they they won't they're not as good as Man City, uh, and they and they will probably be expecting to beat us. And that's maybe where we need to to, to make take our take our chances and hit them on the break and, and really kind of hit the road. In the next four games, and then so in the months' time when we if we catch up again, we're kind of looking back on a couple of wins, and we're 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 not one of the teams that everyone's panicking about.
0: How many goals are Watford going to score in the next four games, Mike?
2: Seven. <laughs>
0: I like <laughs> oh, yeah. it seven. And Jason, um, will one win be enough to keep the you know those keep us annoying uh, yeah what fans happy? Is one win enough?
1: No, football fans are fickle. Uh, one one win in any of those next two or three games, everyone will be delighted after that win. But where there aren't wins, everyone will be down and we're going to be relegated with minimum number of points ever in the Premier League. You know what football fans are like. It, it, it's very hard to, to stay on a level. Um, I think what will be clear is that if we don't get a win in those first three, Bournemouth away becomes... A must-win, and I think it, the fans will be. There will always be a fear amongst the fans that we know we've got this little rivalry with Bournemouth at the moment, don't we? There's, because of what happened last year, there's definite, definite rivalry there. And if if both teams are, are already struggling in the bottom three at that point, um, obviously Bournemouth have got their their win now, um, and if we get to you know, to that last game without having picked anything up. People won't be happy, and people will be worried, and yeah, and that will be a must-win game.
3: Yeah, what we need, what we need to happen, the team needs to start looking like a team, needs to start looking threatening, and we need to be coming away from matches not saying, "Well, if we carry on like that, we'll be fine," because we've been there before, and both times in the Premier League before, we didn't. We were very, very rarely disgraced in any game, and we came away saying, "Well, if that had happened, if that had gone in, if that hadn't ever happened that time," and there's there's already sort of echoes of that now it's still poles apart but we need to come away from games having having delivered i think jordi made excellent points about the about the strategy and the tactics and the reality of where we're at and that's why if you think about that and take some time to think about it why is kike sanchez flores been brought in well probably for that exact reason get us to stay in this division and if any anyway, if people had said at the start of the season you'll stay in the division but you're not going to see great football I'm not saying it's not great football but you're going to stay in the division. You wouldn't be asking, well, how many goals are we going to score? How many points are we going to stay up by? I'd be like, thank you very much. We'll take that and we'll go again next year. Um, but what I do, uh, yeah, just you want you want the players who know they've got talent. Gerardo is one who's who's showed real glimpses of having super amounts of talent, but putting it to use for Watford, for our football club. These guys that we've got high hopes for delivering for us on the pitch, giving us something to cheer for. And like we were saying before, you know, get us going Get us behind the team, get us enjoying it. Um and just yeah. We we will enjoy it whatever happens. But yeah, just not coming away from that that's the the only downside is coming away from games thinking we might have done better. Um let's t- let's turn those maybes into we did it. You know, that's not the most inspirational thing, you know. <laughs> so that's not any given Sunday, but you kinda you kinda know what I mean, right?
0: David listening to this monthly podcast uh, they're going to be back again at the beginning we'll be back in with a look back on those four games the Swansea Newcastle Palace and Bournemouth game and the seven goals uh, at the beginning of October remember you can subscribe to our short podcast as well uh, on there recently done a great interview with uh, Mike Calvin uh, from uh, his latest book about managers it's called Living on the Volcano Um, it's good like half an hour not particularly short uh, but uh, it's a very insightful uh, interview also a chat to uh, the guys uh, or David, who's the man behind Golden Pages fanzine, plus we chatted to Kevin Affleck, the return of Kevin Affleck, uh, and his new venture of WD Sport, uh, which uh, has been all over for fans uh, these last couple of weeks. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thank you, Geordie. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Come on, you Hornets. And thank you,
1: Jason. Oh, I'm so excited. Now, now Mike's done that. I'm, I'm, I'm,
2: I'm back in the game. Seven goals. <laughs>